Welcome to our service here at Kakako Christian Fellowship. So glad that you uh, took time to join us this morning. Uh, again, you know, happy, I guess yesterday was, was Veterans Day, so happy Veterans Day. Um, when you came in, you got a bulletin like this. And, you know, when I was worshiping this morning, um, very, very recently we went to a, um, a memorial service of, of a person who whom just made a huge, huge impact, you know, um, here in Hawaii, in my life, in, in the lives of so many people, and really um, impacted uh, lives around the world. And the secret to his life, the secret to his life was um, that he took time every day to worship. You know, and sometimes we think like, um, you know, worship, when we come here on Sunday mornings, we think like, oh, yeah, worship, that's like the warm-up thing before like the real thing. The real thing is the message. Um, you know, that's really not true. You know, I want to encourage you that the worship, um, in a lot of ways, is as important, and sometimes it will be even more important. There will be the days when you come in and you know, you've gone through all kinds of things. You know, let's talk to someone this morning, just found out he had stage four, he has stage four cancer um, today. The worship, uh, as he connects with God, that is, that is as important, probably going to be more important to him than, um, than, than whatever I can say, you know, because that's a time when he's going to connect uh, with God, um, you know, just in a real personal way. So I just want to encourage you, um, you know, I can tell you guys, please be on time and all that, but, you know, the, the, I guess the real takeaway for all of you is that that's such an important time. That God's going to use that time. We don't know how God's going to use that time um, as you come here and you just connect with God. I mean, it's just more than music. Really, it is. Because worship is more than music. But you'll be surprised that some of our, our, our most challenging times, well, we'll, 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 what God will bring to mind is certain songs, you know. And then, and then you'll just begin, you just find yourself beginning to just maybe even hum it. If you don't really like it, you just hum it. And you'll begin to hum and, and you'll be connected back with God. So I want to encourage you uh, how important um, worship is. The other thing is that, you know, our church is, is more, you know, we're here, we, we started, you know, in 2004, we started with a vision, like we talked about last week, and it was more than just to kind of come together once a week, do a religious exercise, um, become religious in some ways, to check off a God box at the end of the week. We say, hey, we, we did the God thing this week. Now we can just go buckaloos, do whatever we want to do. No, I mean, um, we have chosen to really follow Christ. And, and what um, Sunday morning is uh, for us is a time we huddle. But the really important time, just as important, is what we do Monday through Saturday. And so we want to go out and we want to engage into the, the world around us that we want to see our world transformed with God's love and his power. And so this is important, but this is just a small, this is one-seventh of what it means to be the church. And so we will always look for opportunities as the Holy Spirit leads us to go out and do something. You know, and one of the things we've been doing for a long time is going to the Next Step Homeless Shelter to do a meal service. And um, it's an opportunity for us to remember that, hey, you know, there are, there are a lot of people who are really less fortunate than we are. And in some ways, that we need to reach out. And so on September, um, I'm September, this is November now, 
but in, uh, yeah, I think I'm back from sabbatical. Anyway, uh, November 25th is uh, Saturday, November 25th, um, from 6 to 8, uh, we're going to be going back, and we're going to do a meal service for the residents there at the Next Step Homeless Shelter. There is a sign-up out there, and um, if you want to join in, right, because that's what we are called to do. And if you've never, ever gone before, uh, maybe this, this month is the month you say, well, I'm just going to try it. I'm going to check it out. Oh, no, but I got little kids. You know, it don't matter. Just take the little kids with you. You know, it's an opportunity for you, you as a family to understand what it really means to follow Christ. More than here is going out there. And so there's a sign-up. It's 6 to 8. It's really not that hard at all. Just go there, and I guarantee you that you will be so blessed uh, if you go. So that's uh, coming up, and um, there's some other um, stuff that you can follow along in there uh, in the bulletin. But, um, you know, I wanted to say um, thank you. Um, it was such a really fun way to, to come back uh, after a sabbatical last week. And, and, you know, I just want to say to all of you, that, you know, um, the office, you know, you know like that was uh, what was going on um, uh, while I was gone. But I want you to know that the office is now back in order and how things, um, how things should be. I mean, we're, we're back, and uh, uh, that's, that's how it is now. So I just want you guys, so some of you all were thinking, man, it's just going to, it's just, you know, it's, just, it's a mess. No, everything is back in order now, and uh, things are how they should be. My office is all cleaned up. And all that. So, um, yeah. <laughs> but um, last week, you know, I, I shared about how, how God um, has a significant future for us. I mean, he really, really does. Um, there is no future that is more important that we can walk in to than God's future for us. God's future goes beyond our lives. God's future goes beyond our life and our lifetime but it reaps this eternal, eternal uh, results. And um, what we talked about was in light of where God is calling us, and we'll be talking about that as the weeks go by, but um, in light of what he's, talking, uh, what he's calling us to, what we need to do if we're going to walk in God's future is we've got to go for broke. You know, we've got to go for broke. And as many of you know, you know, that was the, the rallying cry of the 442, you know, in World War II, and, and it was like that gambling term where they're just going to put everything on the line. You know, it's like, it's like all in, you know, like a, a gambling, you know, how people say all in. Um, that's what it meant, that we're going to give everything we got. We're just going to go for broke. And that's what God's calling us to. Um, he's calling us uh, to be more than just a gathering. He's calling us to go beyond just being a fan club of Jesus. You know, we talked about that. That God hasn't called us to be his fans. And so often it's easy to be a fan of Jesus. Yeah, we know who Jesus is. He's great. I admire, if I could, I would get Jesus' autograph. You know, he's just such a great guy. And then we go and we come to church and it's like, yeah, Jesus, go, Jesus, go. Oh, look what, yay, Jesus. But we don't ever do anything. Our lives never change. And Jesus never said, you know, I, I want you to be my fans. I want you to admire me and love me. He's saying, no, I want you to be my followers. That's what the church is supposed to be. That is what we're going to be. 
that we will never, ever be a fan club. That if we ever become a fan club where we just come here and say, hey, that was a good service today. Hey, Jesus did good today. And we leave, and that's all there is to it. There's no change in our lives. There's no change in the community. We might as well just pack it up, you know, because God's calling us to be his followers and that we got to go for broke. And will we do everything, man, would we do everything we can? Will we just go for broke and, and just go out there and, and make a difference? We are, gonna, we are committed as a church to just inspire and prepare and to train up people to be followers of Christ that they would walk in, in God's amazing future for them and for all of us. That's why we exist. You know, that's why we exist. That, that my heart is we got to train all of us. And when we follow him, um, God will take care of our needs. He really will. Uh, just found out. You know, you have a young couple, and they have one girl and another one on the way, right? They're both teachers. They're, they're, they're not necessarily millionaires. And yet, they've chose that we're going to follow Jesus. You know? and, and they felt like, well, you know, God's calling us that, that, you know, raising our kids is really important. And so the wife says, I'm going to stay home. Now, you're going to live here in Hawaii on one teacher's salary. You will. And you can, if you say, you know what, Jesus, we're going to seek first your kingdom, your rights. We're going to do whatever you call us to do. And we're just going to trust and pray you're going to take care of the rest. You're going to take care of our needs. So that's what they decided to do. They have a baby on the way, right? Um, you know, there's another baby on the way. You know how it is. You have two young youngins. You have no more space in your car. Right, your, your trunks take. I mean, you got one baby. It's like everything's you know just filled. There's no space. You're gonna have to need two car seats, the whole thing. And you're thinking, man. And God knows all that. God knows all that. And so what God does, He says, you know what? You seek first my kingdom. I'll take care of that stuff. You just keep focusing on me. You just keep going for broke for me. I'll take care of your needs. In fact, you got a baby on the way. This is what I'll do for you. I will. Provide for you a new car. Okay? You don't got to pay for this car. It's going to be a gift to you. Not a Ford Fiesta. Not a Toyota Corolla. I think I'll just go for broke a little bit for you all. And I'll, I'll get you a Volvo SUV. And that's what Chris and Mel Rhodes just got. They receive from God through a contest in, in Audible because their baby's on the way coming later this month. God provided for them a Volvo SUV. How crazy is that? Chris, that's crazy, right? I mean, and grandma's over there like, yeah, God, right? I mean, not that you're grandma. You know, you know what I'm saying, you know, like, right? I mean, you know, you know what I mean? And, and, and they're not. And an attitude of a follower isn't just, I'm going to do this so I get this from God. I'm going to expect to get all this good stuff from God. And if I keep rubbing that lamp, God's going to work for me. No. This wasn't even in their wildest dream. But that's what God does when we choose to go for broke. And I was thinking about 
that. And I think, well, maybe I can get my, no, I shouldn't. Anyway, um, in our short history as a church, whenever we stepped out in faith, God intersected our faith with his faithfulness, and, and God did some wonderful things. We saw his faithfulness, we saw his power, and whenever we said, not about us, it's not about us, we're going to go out and do something here in the community, God has blessed. So, you know, as I look back in our short history, I look and, you know, um, McKinley High School has been blessed. God has used this church to bless this high school. Um, they, you know, from the very get-go, we, we did service projects, and we painted lines in the parking lot. Groups went there, paint bathrooms. You know, I'll go there and do prayer walks. We just pray over that school all the time. Um, we've done the Angel Tree Project, which is coming up. You know, every Christmas we do an Angel Tree Project where we have one of the counselors there. They uh, give us names of, of families who are really in need and could use uh, some blessings like Christmas. And, you know, since we started this seven, eight years ago, I don't know how long ago it was, at least 30 families, over 30 families in need have had and enjoyed a more Merry Christmas. You see? And, and, and God has done things like that. Um, the football program, you know, we tried to help out um, in many, many ways, you know, working with the coaches to build character in the team, uh, we financially supported. In fact, the first offering we took as a church here, we said, we're not keeping that offering. You know, what we're going to do is it's going to be a prophetic act that says with the first offering, the first thing we get, we're going to give it all away. And we gave it to McKinley High School football team because they could use help. So that's what we did. And, uh, you know, we continue to pray for them and um, the program. Um, the, not only the school, but the city has been blessed. That we've blessed the city. God has used his church to bless the city. Um, next step, homeless shelter uh, feedings, and we've done that at all these meal services. Uh, early in our history, we did a, a mini golf, co- uh, mini, you know, you know putt-putt golf. We did a putt-putt golf tournament uh, to raise money for the can- uh, American Cancer Society. I think, I think it was like over $4,000 or something. We had a lot of fun doing it, but we thought we're just going to reach out to everybody we know that's been touched by cancer, and we did a, a mini a golf thing, and it was on a Sunday morning, and we just said, no, we're going to serve, and, and that's what we did. Um, we have done uh, free Christmas trolley rides, you know, right out here, and bless the city. If you want to come, just come and just do a trolley ride thing, and, and Michael Chinin is like a, the best, um, you know, tour director guy, you know, and all that stuff. Um, all he needed was a ukulele and play, and then you just like, Waikiki, man. And then um, we did, uh, I think we did at least, I think we did one blood bank uh, drive. Uh, we did that. Uh, we've done prayer walks in this community. We've done prayer walks. They continue to do prayer walks in Waikiki. Uh, we're seeing a resurgence. We see some really good things happening in Waikiki. Lately, there's been a lot of violence, but we said we've got to step it up, and there's a group of faithful people, faithful women, who are prayer walking in Waikiki, and our city's been blessed. You know, our world's been blessed. Um, sent teams out to Alaska from this church, you know, to... Um, to go and minister to a village in Alaska. You know, after the um, 2011 disaster in Japan, we sent relief teams almost every year just going there just to, to help and minister and to support. Um, to Thailand and countries in Southeast, Southeast Asia, we joined with other churches to go minister there, going to orphanages and things like that. Just doing, just taking out the love of Jesus in this world. You know, Jared Miyamoto and his wife Tiana, you know, he was so nice to see them last week. Um, 
They've been shot out. We support them financially, and they have a ministry on the Big Island. And that ministry is, is going to impact the world. They're going to reach out to people all over the world with this ministry on the Big Island. Jared Higashino, um, you know, is a younger guy, and you know, he's, he's now a missionary with YWAM on the Big Island as well. And so you know, we see a lot of things. There's also individual people uh, in our church that, and, and around our city who have been transformed with the love and the power of God. You know, more than 200 people, I was, I was kind of looking back, and over 200 people accepted the Lord through the ministry of this church. You know, that's, 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 that's a good start, you know. One day we'll see that happen in a year, hopefully in a month. You know, over 140 people have been baptized. Marriages have been saved, I mean literally saved. Marriages have been saved. Marriages have been strengthened. You know, families have grown, grown healthier. You know, right now, um, Casey and Steph Kuzumaga, they're doing a Financial Peace University. And family units and people have gotten a lot more healthy in, in their finances, a lot less stressful. They see God do some amazing things um, through that, and it's through Financial Peace University. And I'm not highlighting all these things to say, hey, man, what a great church. This is like a great church. Yay, us. You know, yay, us. No. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is that, that, that this is what God can do through a church that decides not to be fans of Jesus, but to be followers of Jesus, and a church that will just go for broke. That if we can go, if we would just go for broke, God can do some amazing things in us, and he can do some things through us. But we've got to change our mindset. We have to stop just being a fan of Jesus. Standing on the sidelines, yay, go God. And say, no, we got to follow him. Oh, but what about our lives? What about me? I'm not going to have any more fun. No, you know what? You're going to have a whole lot of fun. It's, it's going to transform your life. And that's why we exist. That's why we do this thing called church. We don't just need another church. We need, we need to be a church that's going to say, hey, you want to follow Jesus? Join the fun. Because we are just going to go for broke. We're just going to go for broke. And you see, Jesus came to bring in the kingdom of God. In the book of Matthew, Jesus talks more about the kingdom of God than any other subject. And, you know, you can think of the the kingdom of God as, as, as pretty simply, you know, the rule and the reign of the Lord Jesus. The kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is is ruling over and reigning. Um, In Romans 14, verse 17, it says this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking. So he's saying it's not like this place where we go and we're going to set up this kingdom right here. No, what he's saying, it goes beyond that. It's the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's wherever, wherever you experience righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, that's bringing in the kingdom of God. And so why is the kingdom of God so important. Why is that so important? Why did Jesus come to bring in the kingdom of God? Well, you know, you, you look around in our world. There's a lot of challenges going on, right? You just look in your life. There's some challenges going on, you know, shootings in Texas, other places in our country, you know, just tragic, tragic things like that. Um, violence right here in Hawaii, uh, recent tragedies in, in Waikiki. You know, my wife works in Waikiki, so we're kind of too, I love Waikiki, and, and so I, I just... You know, I take it personally to see that, oh, man, look, there's just another murder in Waikiki. You know, and there's this, you know, there's a challenge of homelessness that our state faces, you know. 
every day, you know, you listen, watch, whatever, hear what the news around us, filled with really tough news, right? And it's really, really easy to get all discouraged about it and think like, oh, man, we're just so messed up. And for churches, it's really, really tempting when you see a lot of junk happening out there to say, whoa, we don't want our people, we don't want our kids to be a part of that. So we circle the wagons and we make a big old wall and we say, man, you know, we got to run away. We got to stay as far away from that world as we possibly can. It's so tempting to do that. But Jesus said, "Uh uh-uh. Jesus said, I came to bring the kingdom of God. And I'm calling all of you. If you're going to be my followers, we come to bring the kingdom of God. Where do we bring the kingdom of God? Wherever we see the need for righteousness and peace and joy that only God can bring. Do you know any place like that? I think in Waikiki, I would love to see more of the righteousness, peace, and joy that only God brings in to come there. What about your neighborhoods? What about your schools? What about your workplace? Right? I mean, there's, every place needs the righteousness, peace, and, and just the joy of the Holy Spirit. And God can do things. God can turn things around. You know, some people look and say, oh, man, education in Hawaii is such a challenge. But when a group of people choose, group of uh, followers of Christ choose to say, we're going to go for broke. And we're going to start praying for this school, Kalanikila Elementary School. And Max Fowler says, you know what, we're going to organize this thing and we're going to serve that school. We're not going to preach at that school. We're not going to do anything. No, we don't. we're going to serve. We're going to do prayer evangelism. We're going to love them. And righteousness, peace, and joy comes into that school. And there's this amazing turnaround. And some of you have heard the amazing testimony of Lanakila Elementary School. See, that's what God wants to do, that he wants to change. He wants to change the world around us, and he wants to use us. You know? And it starts with, and you've got notes, you can follow along. It's like, you know, our view of Jesus, it really does do something, okay? And so I'm going to talk about that, but in Matthew 13, verse 53, see, when we read this, when, when Jesus had finished telling these stories and illustrations, he left that part of the country and he returned to Nazareth, his hometown. And when he taught there in the synagogue, everybody was amazed and said, where did he get such wisdom and the power to do this? They kind of scoffed at him. He's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers James and jo- Joseph, Simon, and Judas. All his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. And the question is, why were they so offended? They were so offended because they saw Jesus as one of them. See, they didn't see Jesus as someone who was different. They didn't see him as God. They didn't see him as special. They saw him as one of them, and so they're thinking, who does he think he is? I mean, he's like one of us. Look at him acting all like that, you know? And they get all offended, and they failed to show him any respect and honor for who he was. Matthew 13, 57 goes on to say, then Jesus told them, a prophet, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his own people. 
What was the result of all that? They looked at him, and they looked at him, and they said, man, you know, Jesus, he's just one of us. Who does he think he is, you know? Verse 58, here's the result. And so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. How sad. He could have done so much, but he knew hardly any. Why? Because here's the truth. Here's this key, key truth. Our view of Jesus, our view of Jesus shapes our response to Jesus. How we view Jesus shapes how we're going to respond to him. And how you respond to him shapes how you approach your life, how you're going to live your life. You see? So these guys, Jesus is one of us. Who does he think he is? And so they went on their life. They didn't listen to him. They didn't believe. They didn't do nothing. And the result, there was no transformation in their life. There was nothing that was going on in their lives. Why? Because their view of Jesus shaped their response to Jesus. And, and you know, here's the thing. For all of us, if you view Jesus as this far away, cold, you know, um, uh, impersonal, it's kind of mean, you know, he just wants to take all our fun away. You know, he's just like, man, and we blame Jesus for all the bad things that happened to us. And that's your view of Jesus. Then it will shape what your response to him will be and how you approach your life. And so if you have that kind of attitude, chances are your relationship with God is going to be kind of distant, you know, impersonal, right? But if, but if you say, man, Jesus, the truth about Jesus, he's God. He came to die for me. That he wants to, he's so close to me that I can feel his prayer. He's such a caring God that, that even when I, when I don't tell him I need a Volvo, he gives me a Volvo. What happens to your relationship with God? You experience a closeness. You, you experience an intimacy with God. Because your view of God will shape your response to God. And your response to God will shape the way you live. See? And the second thing is that there is a direct correlation between expressing faith and experiencing miracles. There's a direct correlation between expressing faith and experiencing miracles. See, verse 58 says, yeah, he did very few. He did very few miracles. Why? Because of their unbelief. And when you look at the, when you look in the dictionary, and, and what is a dictionary, how does a dictionary define miracles? It's an event that appears inexplicable by the laws of nature and so is held to be supernatural in origin or an act of God. That's a dictionary. You know, Don Cousins, you know, many of you know, you know Don Cousins is a really, really good friend of mine. We talk a lot. Um, and, and, and Don just so happens, you know, um, I told him that, you know, we're doing a series called, you know, Just Go For Broke Now. We're just going to be a church that goes for broke. And so he copied me and he said, well, you know, we don't say go for broke in Florida. They said we're going to go all in. So they're going to go all in there. But the truth is, because Don might be listening to this later, um, um, a lot of what we're talking about, you know, just we've talked a lot and, and um, you know, just 
I'll give him credit for a lot of this stuff. For instance, Don Cousins says this, a miracle, if you don't, you know, simply a miracle is this, something you can't explain apart from God. That's what a miracle is. Something you can't explain apart from God. Or, as he likes to say, a miracle is only God. When you experience something, and the only response you got is only God. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. And there's one miracle that... The only miracle, in fact, that all four gospel writers, writers, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in the, the first four books in the New Testament, there's just one miracle that all of them recorded. And, um, and then in Luke 9, what we're going to find is that Jesus sends out his disciples, equipped them with power and authority to tell everybody about the kingdom of God. You know, and they go out, they see all these amazing things happen. They come back, they go, holy cow. Well, what did you guys experience? Only God. We've experienced miracles. Only God could do what we experienced. And they came back pumped up. And it was a great day. And it was this long day. And then in Matthew 14, we read this. That evening, that very evening, right, verse 15, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. Luke tells us it was the town of Bethesda. Yeah? And, and what that looks like... Um, is like, you see, like right up there, the top right corner on the, you know, on the map there, you know, away from other things, it was this little town. And they, they went there, right? And they go there, they're tired, they're exhausted, and it's already, you know, this is a remote place, already getting late. Send the crowds away, because the crowds are following Jesus, and, you know, all these good things are happening, so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, that's not necessary. You feed them. And if you look, you know, on that map, if you had looked, there's no 7-Eleven around that map. There's no food land, second save, whatever you have. It's a remote place. And, and Jesus says, it's not necessary. You feed them. So they go around and they come back. We only got five loaves of bread, right? And not like these big loaves, just little dinner roll type kind of loaves. And two fish. Not whales, you know, just two little fish. And, and he's, they said, that's all we got. Bring them here, he said. And then he told the people to sit down on the grass. And Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed to the people. And, you know, what did that look like? You know, there's a little picture here about, you know, just most everybody thinks that this is kind of where... Um, they, they all ate. See, right there, the Sea of Galilee back there, but right around there, you know, just imagine, you know, um, 10,000 people, you know, 5,000 men and, and uh, women and children, they're all there, and they, they go and they feed, you know, they're taking time. That's not easy, right? There's no buffet line. You know, they just got to go. They're tired. They had a long day. Kiki's breaking the bread, giving it, giving it to disciples, breaking more, giving it to disciples. They go out there, they all ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. And uh, about 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to women and children. So they're saying probably about ten to 12,000 people were fed. Five loaves, two fish. Only God. Only God. Right? Not only that. They didn't have 11. They didn't have 13. They had 12 basketfuls of, of leftovers um, at the end, why? Twelve disciples. They all got a doggy basket. Okay? They all got a doggy basket, right? Only God. 
And then in verse 22, immediately after this, okay, it's getting dark, tired, long day, right? They see miracle after miracle, and they see the granddaddy of them all. All these people gathered together, fed all. They, they go, and immediately after this, Jesus insists that the disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. So here they go. They go on this boat, right? They all got their 12 baskets. You think they kept their basket? I think they kept their basket. They're hungry, right? So they got, they got their basket full. They get on that boat, and Jesus sends them away. Right after the miracle, uh, we find he sends them to this, to this town called Gethsemane. Yeah, and then there's, like, you see it's up there. They took the boat, and they went to Gethsemane right there, right? It's about, some people say, seven, eight miles away, you know, for a three-hour tour, a three-hour tour. Anyway, but um, they go, and uh, Matthew 14, 23 says, After sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell. And he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind uh, had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, as we know, Jesus comes toward them walking on the water. Question. When Jesus came to them walking on the water, okay, how did they respond? Our view of God shapes our response to God. So, okay, so, so they just saw the miracles. Right? They're in the boat. They got evidence of that miracle, right? All of them, a basket full of stuff, right? How did they respond? And that's really important because it will tell Jesus what they thought of him, right? That's what happens. Our, shape, our, our view of God shapes the way we respond. So here's their response. When the disciples saw Jesus walking on the water, they were, yay, God! no. They were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. And in most cases, we would say, it's totally understandable, right? Right? You're on a boat, see somebody walking, it's like, it doesn't fit our paradigm for anything. So it's kind of understandable, they would say, it's a ghost. In fact, in that culture, um, it was a belief that um, during that time in that culture, that, that, that demons dwelt in the sea and they would come out at night. Okay? So here you got that. They got that going. They saw that and it would be totally understandable. But the thing is this, that, that what, what did they just see? They saw this full-blown only God miracle. They're in their boat. Whoa, man, my, 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 my bread is getting wet. They're carrying the evidence of that miracle. And they didn't understand, even after what they saw, that Jesus wasn't like them, right? That he was different. That he really was who God said, Jesus said he was. But instead of seeing Jesus for who he was, because if they saw Jesus for who he was, their response would have been so different. Hey, that's Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I knew you'd come. Come on, get in the boat. Come on. Stop showing off. Get in the boat. Right? It would have been so different. But that's the truth. That how we view Jesus 
will shape our response to Jesus. And our response to Jesus will shape the way we live. What's the lesson for us? The lesson for us is simply this. For us to go for broke, we got to see Jesus for who he is. we got to see Jesus for who he is. we got to believe and trust that he really is God. That he is. That, that, and, and, and seeing Jesus for who he is, that, that we can respond to his call. That he, when he tells us, yes, I want you to go for broke. Yes, I want you to be my followers. I want you to make a difference in this world. And don't worry about it because I'll take care of your needs. See, it'll shape the way we respond to him. It'll shape the way we live. But if we're going to go for broke, it starts with how we're going to view him. And it just simply comes down to that in order for, go to, for us to go for broke, we've got to live by faith. It comes down that we've got to live by faith. And when we see God do stuff and we say, only God, our faith increases. Ask Chris and Mel after the service. Your faith increased a little bit? Yeah, about an SUV worth. <laughs> Their view of God, like, whoa. And this is an important question. Here's the question that I think God is saying to us today. What am I doing in my life that I couldn't do apart from the power of God? You think of your life. What are you doing in your life that you could not do apart from the power of God? Because the answer to that question will tell you where on that scale, where are you living and if you're living by faith. That if you can say, well, in this area, I'm just, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, if God doesn't show up in this area, I'm sunk. That's living by faith. And if you can't think of anything in your life that you're doing that you couldn't do apart from the power of God, then my encouragement to you is take time to look how you're viewing Jesus. Is he really God? Is he someone that, who is worthy for you to trust him? Because if he is, then maybe it's time to go for broke and to do something and go outside your comfort zone and to try and do something, to live by faith and to see what he wants you to do. What does faith, what does the faith to go for broke, what does that look like? We can go to the Bible and we can think like, yeah, but that's like Bible people. What does the faith to go for broke look like? There's a man. And um, yesterday we, we gathered, over a thousand of us gathered two days ago on Friday. To, to this honor, to say goodbye. You know, that was, his name was Hiroshi Chinin. Hiroshi Chinin was Michael Chinin's grandpa. And Hiroshi passed away a few weeks ago. And I, that's just even, I mean, to me, he, as his father, Michael's dad would say, Pastor Cal Chinin would say, he flew home. And that's what he did. He didn't pass away, he just flew home. And we gathered 
And I've been thinking about Hiroshi a lot because, you know, Hiroshi really was like a father to me. I mean, I, I, I was blessed that, that he treated me in such a way, you know. Um, uh, you know, he was really nice to um, a lot of people and, you know, like just college-age people. He was just the nicest guy. Sometimes he was mean to me. <laughs> you know, I, I, I preached once, you know, at church, and he comes, oh, was that preaching or was that stand-up comic? Come to meet comedy, and he laughed, right? But, but hey, but I knew he loved me, and he said that because he loved me. And he treated me a certain way because he loved me like a son, and how I appreciated that. I didn't need someone to go like, oh, great job, Mark. I need someone to say, was that preaching or was that stand-up comedy, right? I needed that because it's about God. It's not about me being stupid. It still isn't. But, I'm so glad, but Hiroshi made choices in his life to go for broke and live by faith. As a young man, he made a decision to, to become a follower of Christ. And if you know Hiroshi, there's no fanness in him. He's going to be a follower. And he chose to be a follower as a young adult. He was the third son. And his father was not happy when he told his dad and his family that he's going to follow Jesus. And his father said to him, if that's your choice, you're no longer a chinin. Can you imagine that? In that generation, especially in that generation, especially in that culture, that Okinawan culture where family is everything. And Hiroshi's dad said, no, not gonna be a, you know, you're no longer a chinin. You're not welcome to family gatherings. And you know how important that was and is. You're not. And uh, he was ostracized from his family. You know, he wasn't going to honor the dead anymore. He wasn't going to light incense at the family altar anymore. He was going to go for broke and he was going to follow Jesus. And it cost him his family. And a few years ago, he wrote, he wrote a um, testimony. And he says, he wrote this, My father advised me that because I chose to follow the white man's God, I was not a Chinin anymore. And his view of Jesus shaped his response to Jesus. And he was ostracized. But then he writes, A couple of years later, from my uncle's funeral service, my father asked me to speak on behalf of the family. I said I would gladly do it, but I would not light incense at the altar and I would not bow down to the statue of Buddha. See? He chose to be a follower. He chose to live by faith. And he writes this, My father truly respected and accepted my newborn faith in Jesus. That was the beginning of a major reconciliation between my dad and me. But that wasn't the end of the story. Since then, you know, both his mother and father both became followers of Jesus. Not only that, all of his brothers and sisters have chosen and made decisions to follow Jesus. Not only that, all of their children, at the very, very least, have made, have prayed a prayer to receive Jesus 
in their life. Look, mom and dad, all his siblings, all of his siblings' children. And we're talking about an Okinawan family, so that's like a bunch of people. Not only that, for Hiroshi's children, four of them, they all became followers of Jesus. Not only that, all of Hiroshi's grandchildren, including Michael Chinin and all that grandchildren, have chosen to follow Jesus. Not only that, their children now. It's gone on for generations. But not only that, that impact went beyond, it went beyond his family because being a follower and going for broke goes beyond our family. And he went on to people like me. And he went to all the people that he ministered to, whether it be at work, at church, wherever he was. And literally, his impact of this one ordinary man who lived in Hawaii, his impact went around the world. And the life of Hiroshi Chinin should not be an exception. My mom said, my mom went to the funeral and she goes, he was like a saint. And I said, yes, he was. And God has called all of us to be saints as well. Hiroshi was never, is, we should never look at Hiroshi as an exception. What Hiroshi is, he's a shining example. He's a shining example of what it means to go for broken follow Jesus. It's too easy to say, oh, Hiroshi, one of a kind. No. He's a shining example of a person who chose to go for broke, to live by faith, that his view of Jesus just shaped the way he responded to Jesus, and the way he responded to Jesus shaped the way he lived his life. And you can talk to Micah, and he'll talk to you for hours about how his grandpa was a shining example of what that means. Today, I'm not sharing anything new to Micah. Micah experienced what I'm talking about today because that's what his grandpa, grandfather did. That's how he lived. What are you going to do? What are you doing that you couldn't do apart from that? What's going on in your life that you're doing right now that you're going to say, man, unless God shows up, you know, I want to encourage you. If you can find those things, just keep at it. Just be faithful and just keep doing those things. And if you don't have anything, let today be the day. You're going to pray and say, God, I can't think of one thing that I am doing that apart from God, couldn't do it. Show me. Take a chance. Ask God, show me what you want me to do. And when he does, go for broke. Take a step. Call the, I'm going to call the worship guys up. God is saying loud and clear to us, it's time to go for broke. What does that mean? No longer a fan. We're called to be followers. What does that mean? That we live our lives in such a way that the things we do, we go back to, if God don't show up, and God will begin to do some amazing things, like the life of Hiroshi, where we're going to say, oh, only God, only God. I would love for us one day soon to have a service like that where we're going to have an only God service 
And people would just stand up all over the place saying, hey, this is what happened. Only God. And we go, only God. Yay. And every single one of us would have at least one only God testimony. That's what it means to be a follower. That's what it means to go for broke. And Jesus is saying, it's time. It's time to go for broke. And that's where we're headed as church. If you want a fan club for Jesus, don't want that. Because we ain't going to be that. We're going to follow Jesus and see where he takes us. Let's pray. Why don't you stand? Father, thank you so much for your love and your patience and your goodness toward us. We don't really understand how good you are to us, how patient you are with us as you see us floundering around. We're just like the disciples. We see great stuff happening all over and then, you know, we respond in such a disappointing way so often. I pray that you would fill us with faith. I pray. I pray that we would continue. Like, we thank you for the, the shining example that Hiroshi Chiden has been to all of us. I pray, I pray that at the end of our lives that we would all have that testimony. I pray that we would be a church that would be a shining example here in our city. I pray that we would be people who would just follow you and just go for broke. I pray, God, I pray that you would stir all of our hearts, that you would encourage us all just go for broke. So we thank you, Lord.